record. All right, good evening, everyone. Reverend Tiante Carson, Minister to Men here at the Greater Allen AME Cathedral of New York under the pastoral leadership of the Reverend Dr. Elaine Flate. All right, we're gonna do it. We're uh, gonna continue in our total money makeover series. And today uh, we're gonna do the second part of debt myths. And um, certainly if you have any questions, feel free to drop it in the chat. Uh, I'm gonna teach uh, for probably the first 25 to 30 minutes. After that, we'll take the next 25 to 30 minutes uh, to answer any questions. But feel free to drop a question in the chat at any time. Uh, as well as any comments or responses that you may have. All right, so we're going uh, to, let's open with a word of prayer and we'll dig right in. Father, we thank you. Thank you, O Lord, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity, God, uh, just to assemble ourselves together, uh, to be led by you, to be guided by you. Uh, God, we surrender everything to you. And so likewise, Father, we submit our finances to you. We ask, O oh God, uh, that you would order our steps and direct our paths. And God, that we might be able to uh, be enriched by each other's presence, uh, as well as uh, each other's testimonies. We thank you, Father. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So again, this will be part two of Debt Myths. So if you missed last week, uh, then I encourage you, uh, once it's up uh, on our, uh, you can actually go to allencathedral.org, go to videos, and uh, click on men's ministry or men's Bible study. And if you do that, you'll be able uh, to check out uh, all of our previous episodes. I think we may... I don't think we have this particular series loaded up yet, uh, but just hang out with us. And in a couple of weeks or so, maybe a week or so, uh, we will have it up for you. All right. And so we're going to uh, go right into it. And uh, I'm excited. I hope that you have already been keeping up with your readings in this series. Uh, if not, it's not too late. We're going to be in this series for a while. So you have plenty of time to catch up. And, um, and also, uh, you'll have time uh, as well over the Christmas break to catch up if you are a little bit behind. So we're going to start with debt myth number seven today, and that is you should lease things that go down in value. Now, uh, here's the thing about leasing. If you have a business, um, then it certainly can be something that you can use to write off um, for the cost of your business. Uh, and as much, if, if you find uh, that you are a person who does not do a tremendous amount of traveling, uh, it might be something that you would look into. Um, we've always been traditionally taught uh, to do this, and that is buy the house and what? Lease the car. Uh, but I want to push you all just even a little bit, even on that premise, because in actuality, the car lease is the most expensive way to operate a vehicle. And for the average person who takes care of their vehicle, um, you can get tremendous usage 
out of um, a car that you may, some of you can testify. I, I want y'all to put in the chat, how many years, what's the longest that you've been able to hold on to a car, uh, to one particular car? What's the longest in years that you've been able to extend the use of your car? Go ahead and drop that in the chat because uh, I would love to, uh, to see just how long you've been able to, <laughs> to hang on to a car. And so with that in mind, you know, the average interest rate uh, on a car lease is 14%. But here's the thing, in the same way that when you rent a car, um, you know, from Enterprise or from, you know, National or Dollar Car Rental, uh, you know, they don't tell you the percentage, the, the interest rate on that. Likewise, even when you're renting something from like a rent to own place that they don't have to tell you the interest rate uh, on those items. Um, but you never know that the interest rate is so high, even on a car lease, because most companies are not required to show you the interest rate on a lease. Leasing is really virtually renting to own. Um, all right, so I, I see lots of responses in the chat. Some say eight years, 15 years, 12 years, 18 years. Good gracious. My first car was a gremlin. I had it for seven years. All right. So listen, you know, the typical car dealer makes more money on a lease than they do when a person finances a car purchase or buys the car with cash. And who do you think? Is, is absorbing that, that cost. It is you. So I want you to think about it. If you're a person that has to have a new car every three years or every four years, um, and you can just afford it, and you got it like that, then by all means, go for it. Uh, but, but if you are still a person that's getting out of debt, you're still trying to pay off your mortgage, and, and you name it, you still have student loan debt, then a lease is not the decision for you. Uh, you need to grab a car, hold on to it for some years, amen, because it is better to have a car that is paid off than to spend all of your time and your money year after year after year just continuously pouring it into something that goes down in value every single year, all right? Um, so that's something I really want you to think about. I, you know, I traditionally hold on to cars at least, you know, eight to 10 years. And, um, and it feels good to not have payments, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good to not have payments on your car? You know, there used to be a time that you could not uh, enter into a, a, uh, a car, a contractual financing agreement for more than three years. Then it went to four years. Then it went to five years. Now it's at seven years. Uh, someone told me that you could even extend it to eight years now. Why? All because we're going to get that monthly cost down. But over the course of eight years, you're probably paying for that car, you know, 50% more for that car because of the interest that hits you than you should be paying for it. All right. So here's the thing. You know, we live in a culture uh, that asks this. They say, how much? How much? We only ask how, we live in a culture that no longer asks, I'm sorry, how much? 
we only ask how much down and how much a month, right? Because we figure as long as I can afford that monthly payment, I'm good. It doesn't matter. I think I think uh, last week we showed you an example of a rent to own uh, for a washer and dryer um, that extended for 90 months. My God, I don't want to be paying for anything outside of a house for 90 months. That is like seven and a half years of payment. And, uh, and the truth of the matter is, you know, you'll find yourself paying for something after seven and a half years of payments that you don't even have any longer. And so it's not just about how much down and how much a month. That is how we get easily deceived and tricked. And we end up spending over the life of the agreement far more than we should, all right? We'll take a $20,000 car and end up paying thirty dollars to $35,000 for it over its life. And, uh, and most people say, well, hey, if I could afford that much up front, then I would pay it, but I can't. So I do what I can do. But listen, can you imagine that if you were able to find, let's say, hey, there was an estate sale somewhere and you had a family that was just trying to get rid of a car and hey, they sold their, their mom or their grandmother's car for $5,000 and, uh, and you were able to take advantage of that. You know, can you can you imagine uh, how many years of payments that you could have used that you'll be able to use for something else? All right. Whether it's a down payment on a home or or being able to pay off a tremendous amount of debt or being able to add to your retirement account. You know, those are areas and things where you really, really, really want uh, to spend your money. So here's some pros and cons of leasing a car. The pro yeah, you can afford the low monthly payments. Um, and usually there are no major car repairs needed to be done. And you can get a new car every few years. But the cons are the continuous car payments, lifetime of car payments, right? Uh, then also the possible additional fees for every little nick, every little scratch, every little bump. Um, also the, the mileage over, right? And then at the end of it, you can't keep the car unless you enter into another arrangement or another agreement. And, um, and so I just encourage you, um, listen, if you're able to, to find a car with maybe that's already been leased, maybe a car that's already passed that initial four years where a car loses 60% of its value, um, then you're able to find a much better deal which is where we are right now. Uh, so myth number eight, you can get a good deal on a new car at 0% interest. Now, usually in very, very small print, they'll say 0% interest, but they'll say like, you know, $3,500 down or $6,000 down. Uh, and, but here's the thing, 0% interest sounds good, but they're emphasizing the interest rate. They're not emphasizing the payment. So you, you may, it's great to have 0% interest, but it's still real to have to come out of your pocket five, $600 a month for a car, not to mention the insurance, right? So a new car loses 60% of its total value in the first four years, all right? So a good used car that is less than three years old is really as reliable or more reliable than a new car 
and most are still under warranty, uh, which is good. Um, uh, let's take, you know, one of the examples that were that was given, if you had a new $28,000 car, that means it will lose $17,000 in value after the first four years of owning it. Uh, and here's the reality. The average millionaire does not usually walk into a, used, into a new car lot and buy a new car. Believe it or not, uh, the average millionaire drives a two-year-old car with no pavements because they simply bought the car and rarely buy brand new cars. And they will purchase it with cash. Why? Because they also understand what's the use of paying interest on a car uh, when it's just going to go down, 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 down in value. So a lot of times they will buy cars, good cars, but cars that already had two years or three years of use on them. All right. So, you know, finally, new cars look great. They smell great. But the month after month after year after year payments, it, it just doesn't feel great. All right. So. Um, so I would really, really, especially now I'm speaking towards those who really just can't afford it. And if you are in a position where you have a significant amount of debt or you are getting close to retirement and you're realizing you might not have enough to sustain you for a lot of years, uh, your retirement is, you know, 65 or whatever age it is, uh, that you decide to retire you know, you want to you want to know that you're going to be able to live comfortably for another uh, 20 years. And that is not most people's reality. All right. All right. Let's look at myth number nine. Myth number nine is you should get a credit card to build your credit. Um, now, uh, here's what I'm, I really want us to understand. Your FICO score which is basically your credit score, is really what uh, Dave Ramsey calls a I love debt score. <laughs> and that's really what it is. It says, this is how much I love debt. This is how good I am with debt so that you can trust me to enter into another debt agreement. All right? Here's the reality. Cash buys things far better than debt if you have it, all right? For the same item, you could purchase it for less if you have cash than if you're using credit. Secondly, bankers will encourage you to get debt. Why? So that you can get more debt. I explained to you last week that most banks make their money not from holding your money. They make most of their money by selling you debt, all right? Um, and if you don't understand that, um, you, you know, then you will be prone to to worship at the, you know, at the idol of the almighty FICO score. <laughs> All right. So, yes, you will need to build your credit. I'm not saying that you will not. This might be an area where I'm a little I may differ a little bit from Dave Ramsey on. You will need to build your credit. And the only way to do that is by borrowing because most people don't just have $500,000, $700,000 to buy a house in New York City, all right? Uh, in other states, you're talking about half the amount for the same amount of space in a house, the same amount of square footage. So, so that's real. That money is real. Uh, but you will need to build your credit 
And the only way to do that is by borrowing and repaying debt in a timely manner if you want to live a life of credit cards, student loans, and car payments, all right? So now here's the thing. If you stop borrowing money, you will lose your FICO score. Here's the reality. You can be a millionaire and have a zero FICO score because you don't have debt. So I want you to see this. You are penalized for not having a relationship with debt. All right? You are penalized for that. It's ridiculous. There are people that have enough cash to buy whole apartment complexes, but they have a zero credit score. Why? Because they don't get involved with it. All right? So, you know, our world is kind of set up in a way where we feel as though um, we cannot live a life without it. All right? But that is just not the case. You can live... <laughs> Uh, without having to have a credit score. Um, there are lending institutions that will work with you because they will look at all the other factors of your life um, to see if it is something you can afford, right? So there are mortgage companies that do not require FICO score. Yep, there are. You have to search them out, but they do exist, all right? Uh, but I do want you to understand what that credit score is. I think it is important um, in order to purchase a home if you don't have the cash to do it, all right? Um, but again, there. listen, I told you last week, if you're going to use a credit card, make sure it's paid off every month. Here's the reality. Most people can't do that. Most people don't do it. Most people won't do it. And so while a brand new home is certainly a wonderful asset. Um, if you are a person that has a really bad relationship with debt, a brand new home is not going to help your situation. All right. All righty. All right. Let's move on to myth number 10. And that is the myth that you need a credit card to rent a car, check into a hotel or buy online. Nope, you don't. A debit card will do the exact same thing. Only thing is, yes, they're going to put a cash hold, maybe $250, maybe a little bit more, depending on how long you're staying in a hotel. If you got the cash, it's not an issue. If you don't have the cash, it will be an issue. All right. Um, but there is, there is only one thing the debit card won't do, and that's get you into debt because whatever's on the debit card is what's in your bank account. All right. So same thing. All right. Uh, let's go to myth number 11. We're moving right along tonight. The debit card has more risk than a credit card. No, that's not true. Debit cards that are backed by Visa or MasterCard have the same protections as regular credit cards. The only thing you want to keep in mind is sometimes to get the full protection, run your, your, your debit card as a credit transaction. That means you're not punching in your PIN number. You're going to run it as a credit transaction instead of a debit transaction. And, and you are insured uh, the kind of protection that you want. Now, using... You know, there were some systems set up in a way where it seems as though you can't use the credit part 
of the debit card. You know, as soon as you put the card in, it goes immediately to type in your PIN. Usually, if you don't know what to do at that point, you could just let the uh, cashier know, I want to run this as a credit. They'll tell you what to do, all right, for that particular uh, keypad. All right, let's go to myth number 12. If you pay off your credit card every month, you get the free use of someone else's money. Yeah, come on, let's use somebody else's money to get rich off of. Uh, that's just not reality. Um, a car track, which is a company that tracks the spending and the balances of uh, credit cards that individuals use, says that 60% of people don't pay off their credit cards every month. All right. I would dare to say that number is probably even a little bit higher. Um, that they do not. A lot of people say, oh, I'm disciplined. I'm going to pay this card off every single month. Uh, that is not true. Uh, they are paying the minimum amount that they need to pay. They are not paying the entire balance off. All right. In, in addition, most of the free rewards that come with these cards and airline miles and other offers, statistics say they are never redeemed. You know, they say almost 90% of those things are never, ever redeemed, all right? Um, a lot of times, by the time you go to the store and you get a free reward offer, they want you to come back like a week later. And if you don't spend it that week later, then you can't spend it. They, because they know most people come back in the next paycheck period, <laughs> which is at least two weeks later. So it's all kind of, you know, really scamish and it's set up in a way where they know you're probably not going to take advantage of it anyway. So you had the opportunity to have this great free reward, uh, but it's really not an opportunity because they study the spending habits of people and they know how people spend. All right. And that's why they're making a lot of money doing what they're doing. These companies, you have to know, they're not going to just give you opportunities because it's going to benefit you. They're doing this because they know it's benefiting them. All right. Um, a study of credit card you used, uh, credit cards used at McDonald's found that people spent 47% more when using credit instead of cash. They spent 47% more when using credit instead of cash. So when they went to McDonald's, they may have only had $5. That means they're going to have to do something off of a special little bundle or the dollar value meal. But if they have a credit card, they're going to spend 47% more, you know, because I got a credit card. So now I can get that value meal. I can supersize that, right? Um, that's just what people do. When they have access to credit, they can buy what they cannot afford to buy right now. All right. Do y'all realize that it was only 2004 that McDonald's started allowing credit card use at the drive through or uh, inside? Yeah, less than, I mean, you were talking about about 17 years ago. When this started, there was a time you could not use a credit card at a fast food restaurant. And it wasn't that long ago, all right? 
but they recognize, hey, you give people this opportunity, it's not just because of the ease of use, but it is also the fact that you're gonna spend more when you're using a credit card. And so here's the reality. When you're using cash, you spend less because you feel it. It hurts when you spend cash. When there's an exchange, you're taking something out of your wallet and you're giving it to somebody else. You will spend less because you feel it. You can see it. It's different when you're just swiping a card. You don't feel it the, the same way, all right? Even for debit cards, it still doesn't feel the same. If you have a wad of cash in your wallet and you take it out and you have to hand the whole wad over to somebody, it makes you think twice about what you're going to spend your money on, all right? Uh, the American Bankruptcy Institute revealed that 69% of filers for bankruptcy say credit card debt caused their bankruptcy. Y'all can see my man here in the picture. How many of y'all have looked like that before? I remember looking like that numerous times, hand on my head and, and um, you know, some could say my hair is thinning out from that area, you know, just from rubbing that part of my head, right? They say that's why a lot of men thin out right here from stress, rubbing their head right there. <laughs> All right. And with with that uh with that that calculator out, right? You see my man, he's he's crunching numbers, trying to figure it out. How are we gonna make it work this month? What are we gonna do, baby? How are we gonna make it work? All right. And um, and so I'm telling you, you you feel it. You know, I've said this before. There's a there's a reason that Amazon will send you a whole pack, you know, a huge box with bubble wrap around it with a little thing inside is because people love the feeling of receiving a big package. So they could send it in a smaller package, <laughs> but there's just something about driving up to your house and seeing a package, even if it's something you bought for yourself. You know, people are more inclined to spend. Some people are inclined to spend and buy things like that just because they enjoy receiving a package. Isn't that something? All right. Let's look at our myth 13. Make sure your teenager gets a credit card so he or she will learn to be responsible with money. That is not true. Getting a credit card for your teenager is an excellent way to teach them to be financially irresponsible. Listen, that's why, you know, teens are now, you know, the number one target of credit card companies. They start at a young age. They start now. There used to be a time when a lot of the games we grew up playing like Monopoly and Payday and all those and life and all those games. They only use cash. Now they have versions of those games that use credit cards. And so, um, and they build brand loyalty. And some of these companies are sponsored and some of these toy manufacturers were sponsored by MasterCard, by Visa, by American Express. And we're sponsored by these companies. Why? Because it builds a relationship with a kid when they are young. So as they get older and they see that image, they're like, hey, I know that image. That's what I used to play with on my Monopoly game. <laughs> And, uh, and they build a relationship. Then they go to college. First week of school, kids show up in their, their freshman year. 
credit card offers. Hey, get your credit card offer to go with your free t-shirt and a free pizza. Come on here. What college student doesn't want a free pizza? All to sign up for something where you're gonna get money? All right. So it's it's just it's a trick and it's a trap. And um, and it builds, you know, people feel a sense of relationship with these companies. And uh, and sometimes it's it can become a very bad and destructive relationship. All right. So the vast majority of college seniors have credit card debt before they even have a job. All right. I, I say this, listen, giving a teen a credit card is like allowing a baby to play with a butcher knife. You just wouldn't do it. You would not do it. You should not do it. All right. They are not mature enough to handle it properly. All right. Let's go to myth 14. And I think this will be our final one for, for this week. Debt consolidation saves interest and you have one smaller payment. All right. The truth is debt consolidation is dangerous because you treat only the symptom. All right. The habits that cause the debt have not changed just because you consolidated your debt, even if you consolidated it under a lower interest rate. Because most individuals who consolidate, if their behavior has not changed, they will continue to add and add and add to their debt. So consolidating it means nothing. It, it might lower your payment. And a lot of times what happens is all the consolidation companies do is just spread the length of the payment. So it makes it look like you're paying less when the truth of the matter is you're not. You're paying less per month but you're paying more over the life of the loan agreement or over the life uh, of the credit card agreement, all right? So consolidating all of that, yeah, it may give you a breath, a reprieve. I've done it before. It takes extremely disciplined people to do that, stay with it consistently and pay it off before the 12-month uh, the period of interest-free consolidation ends. Because I'm telling you, if you get one day beyond that 12-month <laughs> period, they gonna, as a matter of fact, one minute behind beyond it, they're gonna hit you hard. You know, I mean you're talking about 25, 29% interest. Uh, and they can hit you on the full amount, not just the balance that you owe um, remaining. All right. So um, the your largest wealth building asset is your income. And here's the thing. When you tie up your income in a lot of debt, you end up losing financially. But when you invest your income, you become wealthy and you can do anything that you want. Um, when you pay things off, you automatically end up giving yourself a raise. And I want you to think about this. Think about all of your credit card debt right now. I want you to think about it. And even at, throw your mortgage in there. All the debt that you have, all the debt you have. I'm not talking about your light bill, your phone bill. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just consumer debt and whether it's a car payment, a student loan, and also a mortgage payment. If you didn't have those payments, how much money would you be able to keep? 
how much money would you have each month, extra money that you could either give away, you could save and invest it, or you can spend it on whatever you, else you want? How much more money could you have? So when you think about that, sometimes if you were to pay things off, you, you don't even need a job raise. You know what I'm saying? An income raise. Once things are paid off, you automatically increase what you're able to keep. So um, I hope that this helped you. And um, I'd love to see what questions you may have or comments uh, as we get ready. Now, some, you know, maybe saying, Rev, you know, now this is good, but, you know, this isn't really quite biblical here. Well, I, I want to just stir you. You know, I've been teaching men's Bible study for about seven years now. And, uh, and every lesson that I've taught has been completely and totally scripturally sound, scripturally based. And, um, but I, in my spirit, I felt that this was something dealing with our financial situation that we must address because it is not just affecting our lives now, uh, it is also affecting uh, the future of our children the opportunities that they have and the opportunities that they are missing out on. And so um, just think about, you know, when you're, how, how much easier would you be able to just rest if you were not concerned about your financial situation? How many of you would have already retired if money were not an issue? How many of you would have uh, been able to fund um, a dream or a, a business venture um, to build equity and to build community. And man, there's so much that you're able to do, even in terms of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's so much more that can be done if we just have it to do it. And, um, and so I hope and pray that this series blesses you. And um, all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We give you honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless these mighty men of God, that you would help them to make wise decisions when it comes to their money and any potential debt agreements that they enter into. Give them wisdom. Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, none of us here would allow pride to overtake us. Um, that while we're trying to work things out and fix things, God, I pray that these men would gain a sense of accountability uh, from someone who's doing well what they desire to do well in themselves. We thank you, God. Everything that we have is yours. So we surrender it to you. And we ask, oh God, that you show us how to manage what you have blessed us with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right.